Good morning, LOH, again. I'm so glad to be here. This is Pastor Sean. I'm associate pastor here at LOH Church, and I am absolutely honored to continue our Velcro series as we discuss the love of Christ and how nothing can absolutely separate us from that love. And you think about it right now, and we just watched that amazing video, and you know, even on a side note, I can tell you that that, that achieved a complete bucket list moment for me because as a, as a communicator of the gospel, I've always wanted Billy Graham to open for me, and I got that today. So, uh, but in all seriousness, with all of the hate and everything that's happening in the world and all the turmoil that's there and everything we're seeing right now, you know, it says the fruit of the Spirit, one of those is love and hope, kindness. You, you think about those. Well, the fruits of the brokenness that the enemy has created in our world, we're seeing hate. We're seeing hopelessness and judgment, division. And this morning, I just want to I just want to open my heart before I even get started to say that our solution is found in Christ. Our solution is found in the love that he provides us. It is the fact that this Velcro, that nothing separates us from the love of Christ. And I want you to know that healing and unity and hope can come when we embrace the gospel message of what he has done, he is doing, and he is about to do in our land. And I just ask you as a church to just come alongside us and let's do this together. To stand as a church as one. Knowing that we have the solution to all this brokenness. Because we serve a healer. A God that's faithful in healing. And a God that's been victorious over the principalities of darkness. And he is not backing down the racism and he is not backing down the poverty and he is not backing down to injustice for he is a just God and he is a blessing, he is a blessing full, he is full of blessings as a God. He is a faithful God and he is a loving God. I want to read that scripture to you that's been kind of the, the, the scripture basis of this series. Picking up in Romans 8 with you and it says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want you to understand and say amen wherever you are because I want you to understand that truth right there as Paul wrote it because I want you to know that no matter how hard the enemy right now is trying to divide us and try to make us feel so isolated and alone and separated, nothing can separate us. And even the principalities, even the demons themselves cannot separate us. So the lies that have been believed by the world cannot separate us. But we're going to get more personal uh, this morning. Because one of the things that we felt in our hearts as a leadership team was to make these, uh, these Velcro messages very personal and ask the Lord to show us storms that we walk through. Something that might be a storm that comes back and likes to pound away with its winds and rains and constantly hits you with things. 
And I prayed and prayed because there's so many things that I'm flawed in. Knowing that I'm an imperfect man that serves a perfect God. But the one that hit me was the storm of failure. The storm of failure. The storm that brings evaluation. The storm where it makes me imagine a bridge. I watched a documentary one time about bridges. And sometimes when they fail, or they, complete, or they call them fail points. Where they go to try to discover where was the fail point. And if I saw my life or I see people's lives, sometimes it's like we're on a bridge on a journey. Getting from this place that God has us to this place God has us. And sometimes on that bridge we find fail points. And it feels like everything's crashing. And we, may, we don't think we're going to get to the other side. And only by the love of Christ that we're going to describe and talk about do we get to the other side or where God wants to take us. And so I want to talk about failure with you. I will tell you that I'm going to try because as big and bold my voice is, I am, I am also someone who just even cries at the backstories of the voice. So I'm letting you know I'm an emotional guy. I'm going to try not to cry too much. But uh, I want to start by more present time in my testimony about failure and take you back and show you some roots. But I'm going to show you some fruits first. The fact is that I stand here and you, you don't understand maybe right now how grateful I feel and, I, and almost to an annoying that my, me and my teammates would know how much I constantly message them and tell them how grateful I am to be ministering and to be beside them and, and how I'm doing because I've had a year of humbling by God. A year of trusting and figuring out where I came face to face with the storm of failure and one of its greatest that tried to take me out. As many of you that have been a part of LOH's family for a long time know me that I started here in LOH almost a decade ago. And we founded this amazing ministry, and I'm grateful for Pastor Dustin, called Move Students Here. And saw students worshiping, and we were here, and success was happening, and we were seeing students reaching their parents and all this great, it was great things happening and we're seeing a church going younger and all this success. And eventually God called me and I got the opportunity that God called me out to lead pastor at church. And even Pastor Tim, we sat together and it was like, yeah, you, you got to take this opportunity. This is good. And I took it. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm not going to speak and say that was a fail point. It wasn't. It was a great opportunity for the kingdom. It was a great opportunity to serve people in my city. The city I grew up in. In the neighborhood I grew up in. I'm a South End kid. I, my family, we just recently moved back to South End. I love the neighborhood. I'm back in my old neighborhood. I absolutely love it there. My wife hates it. If I go to Walmart or Martins or somewhere, she can't get out of there in less than an hour and a half. Two hours maybe. But I got the chance. Here I am, 36 years old, in my hometown, getting the opportunity to lead pastor a church. It's like stuff books were written of for me and my dreams. People that have known me, they were close to me, knew that all I wanted was to lead a church. All I wanted to do was lead pastor. I would dream up churches, dream up ministry ideas, dream up things. I would drive people crazy if they talked to me. It was like being a machine. And here's my chance. 
And I got there and I learned lots of things and I got the opportunity to be humbled and exposed to ministry, to see authenticity and see when people were willing to just come face to face in, in a church and be broken and be honest about their brokenness and see us be able to, God, to use us to minister to people and, and, and just to genuinely love people and be out on the front lines and see things uh, in, our, in our neighborhoods that we were able to minister. And I got the chance to play a role in that. I got the opportunity to, to preach, and, and in all honesty, in a couple of years, we actually saw hundreds of people come to know Jesus Christ. All that, we would chalk up success, right? Success, success, success. But I hit a fail point. And you're going, oh, he's going to talk about church, or he's going to talk about other people, he's going to talk about that. No, I'm not. I read a book that wasn't actually a Christian book not long ago, and uh, it's called Extreme Ownership. And these former Navy SEALs wrote a book about leadership. People that are on the front lines, that their decisions matter when in life or death. And one of the things it says is there's no such thing as bad teams, just bad leaders. And it made me start to edit and think about myself. Because here's what happens. At the end of that road, after I go almost to the second year, finishing my second year there, the stuff started to get to me. Drama, dynamics, personalities, all this stuff just starts to weigh on you. All the things you dreamed up that were your vision and you start to go, do they align? Is this a good place? Is this a good fit? Is this stuff going on? And, and you're like, but God, I love these people so very much that I don't want to wound them if I'm not the right fit. So I would humbly be willing to let you take me out of the place to let them have thriving community if I'm the problem. Needless to say, I felt like it wasn't the right fit. I gave it two good years, dreamed. I say nothing, but I speak nothing but honor and love and respect to my City Reach family. I speak nothing but great gratitude to the many men and women that walk through the Hope Homes that we had a chance to minister on the front lines to watch you come in, recovering in the midst of addiction, and see you graduate with a smile on your face and know what it means to serve Jesus and be clean and free. And I just want you to know I, do, I say nothing and I speak nothing but honor to you this morning. But I knew it wasn't the right fit, and I stepped out in my hometown. I felt like such a failure. Everything I had dreamed for. Yeah, I walked through blaming everybody. It wasn't my fault. It was them, it was this, it was that. They wouldn't come along, it was this, it was that. And you know what, ultimately, you know what the funny part is, is in church, it doesn't matter if we're here at LOH or we're at City Reach or we're at any place, or if we're just at another church in California, wherever it may be. We're made up of people and we're all imperfect and we're all going to have problems. So for me to say that there wasn't some stuff that wasn't my fault, it'd be, it'd be a lie to not say that. But at the same time, I take responsibility as a leader. And I felt like such a failure. I felt like you had your shot, and God gave you your shot, and now you're ruined. Your name's ruined. Here you go. You're going to come back with your tail between your legs back to LOH. That's right. Go back. You, you, your spiritual, that's right. Your spiritual dad. That's right. Timmy McGregor's there, and that's your guy. And nobody said this is what the enemy was just speaking to me. Yeah, go back where it was safe. Go back where it's kind. Go back where your family is, where, you know, you, you, you know, 
you got people that you call family there. Just go back. Yeah, it's safe there. You can hide. That's right. That's what you, that's what you deserve. Go back in your shame. Let them love when you pat you on the back. And I felt so broken that I felt like I failed the mission God put me on. But when I look back and I have had to walk through that storm, you see, that's what it does. You see, failure does some things to you. Failure starts to put eyes on people to create unforgiveness. Failure begins to put you where you have unforgiveness for yourself. Failure begins to put shame on you. Failure begins to make you believe lies and compound things to make it bigger than what it was. Failure begins to get you to a place to where you feel alone. And when the devil can get you alone, it's his playground. And I want you to know that that's what failure tries to do do when you're in the storm. I hit my fail point. Ashamed in my hometown. Having people ask me, ask my wife, ask what happened. Was there, was there was a moral failure? As if now my character had to be questioned because obviously if a pastor steps out trying to say it's not a good fit, you obviously had an affair on your wife. trying to get the latest and greatest gossip as people would hit you with it and the storm would just build because then all of a sudden the winds would rage and all those things and now you just feel like more of a failure. I mean, people would even come and ask me straight up. And you find out as people are trying to work through people that they minister to and they have new people that are ministering with them and, and you start feeling like, man, there's people that you call me family, they don't even talk to me anymore. But you know what? You're, I'm going to get to that point. You're going to see something where I'm going, man, them, 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 them. But what I started to realize is, is God showed me something in the aftermath of that storm. And what I realized in my storm that we do, sometimes do is we take our eyes off that first love, which is God himself. I had an idol of religion and ministry. I, loved, I started to love ministry more than I love Jesus, I think. I started to love the process of reaching people versus letting Jesus reach me. I loved creating programs to reach people more than it was to, to, to experience the richness of what next God had for me in my own personal devotion life. You see, because what I ended up doing was I realized as I loved that, I started to please men. And as we know, Paul writes in Galatians, it's impossible to please God if you're trying to please men. And what I realized was I was a man pleaser. And this goes back and you go, man, well, that's the fruits. Well, well, here, let me quickly tell you the roots. You see what the roots is, is that that guy that felt like a failure in ministry because everything trying to please and attain something where it was like I had to prove myself from day one there. Like, and nobody was telling me they had to prove myself. I felt like I had to prove myself. And it goes all the way back because I can tell you as a small kid, all of a sudden I'm in a home that turns broken and my parents decide they're going to get a divorce. And I carried the weight like it was my fault. I felt like a failure as a kid. My parents separate. They come back together. And this is what's crazy because my head was filled with so many lies about my mom because I lived with my dad and there was a lot of brokenness and hurt there that all of a sudden I sabotaged their restoration of marriage myself. I, I did. And I felt like such a failure because I carried that. 
And so I started carrying it then. Like I, now all of a sudden I have this thing that I got to prove. I got to get myself out of. I got to prove myself to people. I got to please people. I've got to get, because I'm such a failure. I'm such a failure. That's the lines I believed. I got to prove myself to people. I got to explain myself to people. I've got to get to that place. And I continue to go and I continue to go. And then all of a sudden, you know what you do when you're a South End boy? You play football at Fort Hill. That's what South End boys do. My whole life was talked about playing football at Fort Hill. I injured my knee because of lots of things. I couldn't please the coaches if my life depended on it. I walked into a coach's office after my second year playing football. Something I, I love, and if you know me today, I love coaching. I love being involved in football. It's a passion of mine. It's a gift of mine. And you know what I did? I, I handed over my stuff and said, I'm done. My brothers in arms in shock, telling, you know, learning that I'm no longer going to have that brotherhood I had as I walked the halls of Ford Hill. I was no longer going to have that, and I quit. I failed. Such a failure. The same guy that his dad never came to a football game in those first two years. Such a failure because I felt like my dad, I even disappointed my own dad. Just might as well give up. So that the guy that moved on to college that would never keep any close relationships with anybody. I would fail relationships because socially I became that I knew inside I was a failure. I would always fail someone. I could never lift the expectations, so I kept people at a distance. I'd only let them coach. And there was only one person that ever got that close. Two people, actually. One of them was a guy that's a buddy of mine that we were in a relationship. Shout out to Jason Wilson, a sheriff's deputy in Washington County. Second one was my wife now. As a friend, she was able to break through and see the real me and call me on it. Still does to this day. And I go beyond and all of a sudden we give birth to a child and his name's Ben and we're having a good time. We're at a party for our second child and my dad gets on the phone and we have a big disagreement. And what happens is I, this is the guy ministering to you guys this morning. I'm being, I, I promise, I'm, I'm, I'm warning you if you don't want to hear me again, that's okay. That's up to you. But I'm going to be spiritually and socially naked to you today. I'm going to just lay it out on the line for you today. Because I want you to know that we're in this together. But here I am on the phone with my dad. Guess what? This is Pastor Sean, guys. My dad says some really dumb things, to be honest. I won't share them. And I told my dad that he's the most selfish person I've ever known. My phone rings 30 minutes later. My dad is laying dead on the, ba on the bathroom floor. The last words I ever spoke to my dad was, you're the most selfish person that ever lived, that I've ever known. Yeah, that's me. Chalk it up, failure. And then we fast track through and I constantly am trying to work out, work people, outdo everything. And there's nothing wrong with work ethic, but if it's for the right purpose. It says to do all things if you're doing it for Christ. Me, I sometimes want to do it just to prove myself that I can do it. Because the storm starts to rage and the winds start blowing. And I hear all the doubters. And I hear all the competition. And I hear the things that have been spoken in my life growing up. And the doubts and the things that happened and the fail points. As I just share a few with you here today. And I began to just go, no, nope, fail, 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 fail. You know, you've heard in the sociology, you hear about self-fulfilling prophecy. And I believe in that. You go, well, that's not biblical. Yeah, that's right. Because when you're in the flesh, you're going to fulfill whatever you think. You want to fail, you'll fail when you're in the flesh. You want to succeed, that's called biblical prophecy. That's when the Spirit is leading it 
for you. And so what I want you to know today is, is that I ended up that, and that brings me all the way up to success, trying to prove myself. I go off, and then I sit there, and I realize that maybe I was just trying to prove myself being a lead pastor in my hometown. And I got humbled. I hit a fail point. Felt like a failure. It brought me back here today, where I sat quietly for the most part. I mean, it's hard for me being quiet but sat being told by ministry leaders. I'm like, let me preach. And I want to say something to you, and I want to say this to our church family. I texted it just a little bit ago, a part of this, and I, Pastor Tim McGregor, I love you. Because you were the one that was strong enough to look me in the eyes and say, I won't let you on my pulpit until you're healed. And you need time. But then you did open up your pulpit here to let me share. And I'm grateful today and humbled to have the opportunity to minister alongside the amazing young men and women we already have on stage and to minister with the team here at LOH this morning. Not loving the church process. Not loving ministry more than I love Jesus. So I'm a walking testimony and I will get into that in a few minutes with you because I'd like to bring that back up after I read some scripture with you here. And I'll show you how God helped me through that. Because I think it aligns with a man in the Bible that I identify with. Peter. He's a guy I relate to. He is a knucklehead, thick-skulled follower of Christ that once he's got an idea and a man and a mission, he thinks it's from God. And literally Jesus had to look at him, skip behind me, Satan, a couple times. You know what I mean? Like He's that guy. He's the guy that when Jesus wanted to wash him, he said, nope, you ain't washing me. Well, if I don't wash you, you're not clean. Well, then wash me all over. Okay. He's that guy. Me. That's me. So what I want to do is I want to pick up, and I'm going to pick up in Luke chapter 22 with you, and I want to, I want to point out a few things. I'm going to kind of tell you a story. It's a pretty popular story. Um, some of you can relate to this, have read it many times, but I want you just to open your heart and ears for something fresh about failure this morning in this. And then picking up in verse 31 of chapter 22, it says, Simon, Simon, this is Jesus speaking, Satan has asked me to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And God, I can empathize with this. Because I can say, I'll take a mountain. You know, my little sister Leslie can tell you there was times I'd be like, let's go. I'm going. Let's take the mountain together. Let's go. Whatever. Let's go. Talk and smack to the devil. Let's go. But as time passed, we, re, we pick up in Scripture back later in verse 54. We see that as they went off to pray, then now Jesus is going to be arrested. And they take him for, trial, for his trial. And I want to pick up what happens with Peter. The guy that says, man, I'll go to prison. I'll go to death with you. He was, it, was, it was like Jesus. I like modernizing. It's like Peter's going, I'm your ride or die. I'm with you all the way. I don't care. I got your back. find out because in verse 54 it says then seizing him they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest Peter followed at a distance and when they, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together Peter sat down with him a servant girl, girl saw him seated there in the firelight she looked closely at him and said this man was with him 
But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another certain, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you would disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. <laughs> you see, what's crazy is it says in the, in the, in, in the one version, the one gospel, it says that Jesus looked at him. And I think about that and I go, he looked at him like I said that. I knew this. And he felt like a failure. Not Jesus' fault, just as he knew this was going to happen. Because I'm going to get to you at that point right now. You see, that's the problem. When he looked at him, we sometimes go, so is failure of God? I think it is sometimes. Our failures are because we're imperfect. I think we're supposed to fail because if we had it all figured out, then who needs God? If we're successful in everything we do, who needs God? If we can do it in our own strength, who needs the Spirit of God? I think so many times we sit there and we go, failure is a bad thing. And we try to give it a bad name like it's a four-letter word. It's the F word. But you want to know something? It's not. But it's a storm. And it's real. And you need to respect the storm. And when you respect the storm, you understand the power that can get you through the storm. And when you know what we all have in common is we're all going to have fail points in our life. We all have failure. Just the same as I shared some of my fail points, I could probably go around the room. I could probably sit in your living room with you right now. And you could say, yeah, this was my fail point. And what I want you to know is, is that's okay. Because we all have them and they're real. The key is, are we honest with them? Do we look the storm in the eye knowing the one who silenced the waves? Because I want you to know there's hope. You go, but that's so hopeless. You just shared all that tough stuff. And how's that, how does that help me, Pastor Sean? Well, let me tell you what the scripture says. I'm going to pick up in the book of John. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, friends, haven't you any fish? They said, no, they answered. And if anybody's ever been fishing, if you're somebody who fishes, how many, how many times do you get sick and tired when you don't catch anything? Somebody goes, have you caught anything? Any luck today? I mean, nothing makes you matter. Hey, you call anything? You can obviously see I'm not carrying anything. But Jesus didn't even exempt himself from that. He's like, hey, catch anything? He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did that, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken off and he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've got. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples when he was raised from the dead. 
When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, this is the best part. He saves it at the end. Follow me. See, now this is the interesting thing of identify Peter. You see, what happens with Peter is Peter went back to what he knew. Because if anybody realizes or knows this back, when Peter was first called as a disciple, he was out fishing. When he failed, he went back to what he knew. When he was running from the facing the failure, he went back to what he's comfortable. You see, when we hit our fail point and we don't want to face the storm, we'll go back to what's comfortable. Sometimes for us, what's comfortable is just safe religion, not wanting to get hurt again. It's about sometimes I just want to attend church. I don't want to get involved or I don't want to do these things. Sometimes our, our safety is, is that I don't want to trust people again. Sometimes, our, sometimes that safe point is, is I'm not going to do that again or I'm not even going to go to church again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to be a part of a community again. I'm not going to ever talk to that person again who failed me, even though forgiveness is what Christ calls us to. We go to what's comfortable. Many times that's avoiding the storm, pretending. It's like standing out in the storm with your rain suit on, pretending it's not pouring down. It's a great day here today. Shh, rain just pouring down. Man, I'll tell you what, that's not, I'll ignore the thunder and lightning. It's okay. A little bit of wind. It's okay. It's a beautiful day. Perfect here. Got church face on. Everything's good. I am blessed and highly favored. I'm good. The reality is we're standing in the middle of a storm. Me, storm of failure, maybe for you as well. But what do you do? You go back to what's comfortable. But Jesus does something powerful. He calls him to the beach to have breakfast. And as I said, Jesus knew he was going to fail him. I think sometimes we need to realize that Jesus expects us to fail. We have to be willing to accept that sometimes. And when we fail, to know that he wants to have breakfast on the beach to show you the other side. So he takes him to the other side and he has breakfast with him. He talks to him about loving others. I think that that's the important thing I want to talk about the storm because, you know, taking it back to my personal story before I give you a couple quick points to kind of embrace for your life. I realized that I had to get to a place of wanting to have breakfast with Jesus again. I didn't need big worship services. I didn't need somebody to tell me how amazing my preaching was. I didn't need somebody to pat me on the back. I didn't need somebody to come up and give me that cheesy, like, man of God pat on the back when I'm out somewhere. I didn't, need, I didn't need anybody to tell me how amazing I was. I didn't need anybody to tell me anything. What I just needed was, I didn't need anybody to give me a ministry so that I could succeed. Because you know what the reality is, is the ministries we have aren't even ours. They're gods. We just get the opportunity to have a part, to, to experience it. We get the front row seat. But what happens is when the storm of failure comes and you start worrying about fear and failure and you only want success and you're trying to achieve success, you sometimes lose track of that and you start taking control. 
That's the truth. Hopefully you are all still listening out there after I just kind of told you how screwed up I am. But uh, I started thinking, and it's kind of tonight's interesting because my son's in the room, my oldest. He's a chip off the old block. And so if I have one mission as I'm here speaking tonight, and I'm about to give these truths that I feel like God has taught me in the process of my storm of failure, I hope he'll embrace them. So if there's one person I hope, it's my oldest son. My oldest son is gifted. I love him. He's got gifts to lead. I believe that natural influencers are born and leaders then are made out of them. He's an influencer that I'm looking forward to him developing as a leader. But I want him to realize that the failure bug doesn't, that failure storm doesn't have to stay and rest on him. And when he watches his dad over the years as a PK walk through those storms more than any of my other children, he doesn't become tainted and expecting his own failure to override things. Or when he's watched his dad cry in the midst of failure, what he thought was failure, that he was the failure. Because I know that when we walk through brokenness watching older our parents and our grandparents, sometimes we take the burden on ourselves thinking it was our fault, that we played a role in it, but they didn't. So I want to talk about three truths that combat failure that I got from this and from my own life. The first one I want to tell you is that failures are events, not people. If you're here today and you're raking notes and you're out there where you're at taking notes, I hope you tattoo that on your forehead. I hope you realize that failures are not people. You know that I intentionally earlier kept saying, I'm a failure, I was a failure, I was a failure, because that's what I believed. I, I believed that failure was a person. I believed that failure had a name and his name was Sean Twig. But actually what failure is, it's an event. It's a storm, it's an event that we walk through and we can get to the other side. So I want you to understand that failure is an event. And the problem we have is, is we've got to get to a place of realizing that, that we as people loving other people do not begin in our own even judgment of placing people and labeling them as failures either. We need to look and say that's an event and let people know. We as a church, if we're going to speak truth through people's brokenness and fail points, we've got to be willing to look at a person in the eyes and say, I'm not intimidated by your, your storm. I'm not intimidated by the failure that took place here. And I want you to know you're not the failure. This is an event. You're walking through it. And Jesus is on the other side and he'll love you. He wants to have breakfast with you. He wants to show you his unconditional love. He wants to lift you up. He wants to show you hope again. He wants to show you that first love that you once had when you first gave your life to him that is the first point failure is an event not a person if you feel like you're a failure right now you can go ahead and shred that and you can go ahead and say I send that lie back to hell because I am not a failure which brings me to my second point because I want to tell you what you are. I want to tell you who you are. 
And you know, actually, I, w- I want to say something about that failure again. I, there's something else that needs to be said. I just felt the start on my heart. I got to say this. It wasn't in my notes. Be careful because the world around us will sacrifice even character at the door for competence and success and charisma. And I want you to know who you are is more important than what you do. So when you look at that event of something you did, it's not who you are. And that's what God cares about. It's, it, that's just simply what you did. I hope that makes sense. But I felt like I had to say that to some of you. Because so many times, how many times do we get it? You get patted on the back for what you do. How many times do you know that people are great singers? Like, like this morning, like Derek, I mean, I just sit there and I think like, you know, Leslie and Devin, you guys are like great singers. But you know, but knowing you both, <laughs> you're even better people. Like you're great singers, but even better people. Like they're up here on stage just lighting it up with their voices, you know, leading us out. And I sat there and, and I, I think about it and I go, and the band and everybody playing and everybody singing. I'm like, man, you guys are awesome, but you're even better people. Like that's what's cool about it. Because we're all obsessed with what we do. But who you are is so much greater. That leads me to this. Jesus desires to remind us of our relational value amid our personal failures. You see, one of the things is when Peter sat on that beach with, with Jesus, when, when Peter got to sit on that beach with Jesus, he got a chance to experience that fatherly love that he first experienced when he got asked, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And he just left everything. He had breakfast on the beach with Jesus. And what did he ask him? Because it was automatic. He knew that Jesus loved him, but he kept asking, do you love me? Jesus kept asking him. Because what he was trying to do is to show that loving father-son relationships there. I want you to know that when you're in a place and you're dealing with failure and you feel like you failed at everything, I want you right now to understand that you don't have to. Jesus is looking at you going, son, daughter, hey, do you love me? Because you know I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, well, we have that relationship. You're important to me. You see, I have a question for you. Does somebody that is, doesn't value you ever ask you, do you love me? I mean, think about that. When you're in a relationship with somebody, they might go, do you love me? And they'll go, you, I love you. A lot of times if you're married or you're dating, you know, you'll hear that come out. And you know what? It's because a person doesn't ask that unless they know that they embrace that relationship. See, because you're a walking image of God. He, formed, he knew you before he placed your mother's room. He dreamed up your life. He dreamed up your purpose. He dreamed up your identity. He dreamed all that thing, all that up. God did that before he even placed your mother's womb. He sat there and made you in his image so you can be walking worship. He has looked at you and calls you son and calls you daughter. He calls you co-heirs with Christ. He calls that you are an heir to the kingdom. He gives you all of that in the word, he tells us as a promise. But he never says Failure. So I think he wants you to sit on the beach so he can look at you and say, son. And what I want you to know is, is in my fail point, I remember there was a time where I finally got to a place where I felt like the Lord just finally said, son, stop trying to prove yourself to me. Because you're not failing me. You're only failing me when you're not putting your eyes on me. I'll take care of the rest. So we only... Our real fail point is when we take our eyes off our first love. We take our eyes off Jesus himself. And so I feel like a failure when I take my eyes off Jesus. So I want you to know he desires to remind you he loves you. 
So if you're right now dealing with failure, I want you to know that Jesus wants to ask you how much you love him and remind you how much he feels that he's a father to you. But this is the greatest one, and I stand here a living testimony of this. Failure generates fertile ground for your comeback story. You see, every testimony that is of Christ in the center of it had a fail point. I was once a sinner. I was once broken. I was once sick. But now I'm saved. Now I'm healed. Now I've been set free. And now I've had this. There was a time when I felt like nobody loved me. And then I realized that Jesus loves me. You think about that. There's a fail point every time. For every person that has made a comeback in so many ways with God or even in ministry. There was a time when they lost their first love and they crashed. And they felt like a failure. And all of a sudden they're on their backside. And they're now going, no, that's not true. There's a comeback there. Guys, today I tell you, I'm not a lead pastor. But my comeback story is being written. I stand on a stage getting to share the good news of the gospel and get to share Jesus in front of people I care about and get to share the people that are listening in right now. And as I said, my son in the room hearing me once again talk in a positive light about the church. Not from a place of brokenness, but from a place of hope. A place to where my wife now knows that I won't place my family or my marriage before Ministry? Yeah, I did that too. That was a part of the fail point. Knowing that my comeback story is here. Where's your comeback story go, Sean? I have no idea because I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to come along for the ride. Because I realize that if I have no expectation but what God's is, there's very little room for me to have an expectation of a failure. So I'm just going to kind of ride along right now and figure it out. But Sean, you had dreams of one day leading a church somewhere. Yeah, maybe I do. God knows the desires of my heart. Let that be his. But what is it? Well, I want to challenge you to think about your comeback story right now. It can be written. Something you feel like you're failing at. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I read on Facebook and people I care about. I'm tired of reading about moms that are talking about how they're failing when they're home with their kids. They're failing their kids. I'm tired of reading about People saying, is there any hope? I I read people I care about, even people who are followers of Christ, walking through storms of failure going, is there anything out there? Is there anything? I'm at my end. Yes, there is. Your comeback story. And I'm not trying to be cheesy. I just want to be legit. Your comeback story is there. It's being written because it's already in the good news of the gospel. He sees you on the other side and he has breakfast with you on the beach. Where's your beach? Is it in your backyard? Is it in your kitchen table? Is it having coffee with Jesus early in the morning? Is it sitting in your living room? Is it sitting somewhere? Is it a place where you can pray and get quiet that you say, Jesus, here I am. I want to have breakfast with you. I felt like such a failure. I went back to all the things I was comfortable with, but you've called me out of that, and I know there's a greater purpose. That's your comeback story. I'm going to invite the team to come on up. You see, because one of the things I didn't mention, it's kind of ironic, happy Father's Day. You see, today we celebrate fathers. You go, boy, what a Father's Day message to talk about failure. But you know what? I think it was the greatest opportunity because, for me to share about Father's Day because I think the gift that we could give our Father in heaven is the opportunity to pour out his unconditional love on us. I think it blesses God when he has the ability to pour out his unconditional love to let you know you're a son, you're a daughter. You're not a failure. 
the burdens you've taken on, maybe even from your childhood, they weren't yours. They were events and they were involving other people too. For some of my brothers out there in ministry, because I know too many of you that have walked away from ministry, I want you to know that you, it's, you're not a failure because you felt the burden and the call of God and then you felt like you walked away and now you've scarred your face from God. You have not failed him and you're not a failure, but you are a son or a daughter of the king and that he has a purpose for you and he wants a comeback story to be written for you and he desires it and he wants to tell you about it. So where you're at and you feel like you failed, your marriage has failed, your relationship with your kids is broken and hurting, let that failure be fertile ground for your comeback story. But it will start right now with wherever you're at. Realizing you're no longer a slave to your shame. You're no longer a slave to that failure. But you are a son or a daughter of the king. And he desires to let you know how much he loves you. And in spite of the event, it has not changed your identity. And you have an amazing purpose ahead. But your purpose will not be built, will come out of your identity versus you finding your identity in it. So don't get lost in doing. Sit back and be. Sit back and be with him and experience what God has for you this morning. I'm sorry that I've been maybe all over the place this morning as I get ready to pray, but I wanted to share a piece of my heart with you. There's so much more but I think I, I just wanted to give you what I gave you this morning that the Lord led me to. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you this morning because I do consider it a privilege. Would you join me as we pray? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've taught me that amid my failures, You've shown me that my strength comes from you, that your Holy Spirit strengthens me. You heal me. And I'm made stronger when I realize that I can't do it on my own. Lord, I pray that everyone listening this morning that may be struggling with what they've considered failures and they've carried a burden and a label of being a failure, that we can just lay that down as an act of worship this morning and know that we're free of that, that we're no longer a slave to that, and that we can just worship you freely, knowing that who I am in you, Father, is greater than anything I do. And so, Lord, we surrender that to you now. I surrender all my hurts, my unforgiveness, my shame. I surrender my fail points to you this morning. And for my future fail points I may walk through, I trust you, Lord. For I know that even in the midst of all that, you've loved me through it, and you loved me enough that you would get alone with me and you would show me you still love me even more to this day. Lord, pour out your love on us all this morning as we just open our hearts to you. Lord, we thank you now for all you've done, you're doing, and about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.